How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I got to check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast. Sort of. Featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome into another edition of Booze and Baseball with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. Dusty, fresh off seeing a no-hitter earlier this week, so I'm excited to hear from him. We also have a guest on today's show, Peter Appel, who uh, just started up an awesome website. Me and Dusty are going to be doing some written pieces for them as well called JustBaseball.com. It's very simple, Just Baseball. There's plenty going on, so we're going to talk to Peter about that. And also, we're going to run through what our all-star teams would be for the American League and the National League. We're going to go through that um, all together, and then maybe if we have time, we'll get to a shotgun six-pack. So first things first, we'll interview our guest, uh, Peter. Thank you for coming on today, and what are you drinking on this edition of Booze and Baseball? Well, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me, but it's actually Peter Apple. It's Peter Apple like the fruit, but it doesn't even matter because I've been called I've been called a Pell. I've been called Apple, and then well, you my know friends what it is? Apple. Mark it, Appel. There's Mark so Appel. many different Mark for sure. Mark Appel, exactly. Yeah. And Mark Appel is like the biggest bust ever, so it's hard being compared <laughs> to the biggest bust ever. <laughs> hey, Peter, you know what? You're, you're living up to expectations. That's all that matters, man. We're happy yeah. to have you aboard here on Booze and Baseball. Uh, it's Peter Apple, ladies and gentlemen, uh, of just baseball as well. Uh, and you could add, as Derek had previously mentioned as well, Derek Johnson, Dusty Baker, part of just baseball. But uh, yeah, so we need to know, uh, Mr. Appleman himself, what, what are we drinking today? Is it uh, an apple cider? What's, what did we out over there? We're drinking an Appel cider. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. We're drinking Coronas, but I wish I just had a lime because I feel like a Corona is an upper echelon type beer with a lime. And then without a lime, it's like 50, 60% of what I wish it could be. A Corona without Lyme is is like having, you know, a pandemic without baseball, honestly. So I, I think I, that's a perfect analogy. All right, Dusty, what are you drinking? Well, Derek, it is, believe it or not, our 25th episode of Booze and Baseball. Um, in the background, you might hear a puppy uh, knocking at some doors around here. So I, uh, I'm currently dog-sitting as we speak right now. Rocky is... Uh, you know, he's prancing around these parts, but we got to celebrate accordingly for the 25th anniversary. So I am going to drink so I can uh, obviously manage this dog in the right way possible, which is clear huh. in my mind. Uh, but also it's our silver anniversary. So I have a, a barefoot champagne bottle with a, a silver cover at the top. It only seemed appropriate. Derek, 
Congratulations, my friend. 25 of these. We, it was an idea during uh, the summer. And, you know, you go fast forward to the World Series. And uh, obviously, a lot of things kind of clicked. Uh, I was very fortunate to have gone to the World Series. Derek decided, hey, why don't we start this now? It was originally supposed to start in 2021. We said, nah, man, you can drink any day and talk any day about baseball. World Series, that's a way to start the champagne bottle. It will be opened accordingly so that we actually have the chance to to celebrate accordingly because, Derek, this is a, this is a big anniversary for us. And um, I'm popping one bottle for you and to you because this is, a, this is exactly what it's supposed to be. There we go, baby. Uh, that's, so that's a good sound. Yeah, you're going to bring a tear to my eye there. Um, uh, I, I will say this, when I came up with the idea, I was drinking. You would never believe it, right? Um, so what I'm drinking today is a Palner Hefeweizen. Palner's a brewery that goes back to 1634. It was actually started by monks in Germany. So very interesting. And I also have, we have a new bottle opener at the household. It's a Thor hammer bottle opener. So I don't know, just kind of cool, I guess. So crack that baby open, uh, get to our throwback baseball stat of the week. Cheers to everybody on Cheers. June 30th. Of 1982, Milwaukee catcher, how about this name, Ned Yost, that's right, the former manager, went three for five with a double, a triple, a run scored, and an RBI to help the Brewers beat the Yankees nine to seven, but more meaningful, Yost had his double off of Tommy John, that's obviously a recognizable name, uh, other notable players in that game, there were a lot of them, Cecil Cooper, who was a five-time All-Star, Ken Griffey Sr., Lou Pinella, the former Cubs manager, and Hall of Famers Paul Molitor, Robin Yount, and Dave Winfield. Yeah, that's a big throwback to to those numbers too, and uh, and those names. I mean, Derek, think about this though. Okay, let's take kind of a fantasy perspective on this. Um, if we were going to go back in time, you listed all those names. Who would be that selection of one of those names that you would want on your roster, and why? I mean, Tommy John actually had a long pitching career, so if it's a keeper league, maybe him. But you got to go with one of the Hall of Famers. Uh, I'm always a sucker for, like, high-contact players. So, I don't know, maybe Robin Yount. Is he a high-contact player? I thought he was. I think Ken Griffey Sr., um, part of me, dude, uh, number one, fantasy baseball, you want a guy that's that's a big name, and, and it may not necessarily be because of the numbers they present. Ken Griffey Sr. had some great numbers, but I would also use him just as trade bait uh, because I feel like I could net somebody like that. bigger that way. So um, You're like the guy who picks up the other Wander Franco on the Giants <laughs> and tries to tell somebody, like, hey, I'll trade you Wander Franco. Exactly. The, and honestly, that was a thought process that went through my mind uh, when Wander Franco was a free agent. I was like, you know, and he still is in, uh, in Derek and my current dynasty league. Um, so it definitely, even to this day, is a temptation. You never know who's going to kind of fall for that trap. Peter, if wait you, a minute. Did you just say Wander Franco is available in your dynasty league? Why? The Giants won. The Giants, the Giants won. Oh, okay. Okay. I get it. Okay. That See, makes he more sense. He would have got you on the trade. You would have ended up getting bamboozled there. All right, so we're talking with Peter Apple here of Just Baseball. Uh, you guys created this site, and it's been in the works for a while now, just opening up, what, about a week ago or something like that is when uh, it first took off. So what kind of went into the process here? Why did you create it, and kind of what makes this concept so different and cool than maybe some other sites? 100%. So it actually started – so I used to – I worked as an intern. I started when I was 19 for the New York Yankees. I'm taking you way back. So I was an intern when I was 19 for the Yankees. I was working in the tours department and I worked my way up into the events. And then I did two seasons as a season ticket salesman. 
And I loved working for the Yankees. Like it was awesome. It was, it was one of the best experiences of my life. I got to meet a bunch of different players, got to meet a bunch of people in the front office, but I really realized that I really wanted to talk about the game and I really wanted to jump into media rather than be working in like a front office business type sense. So when the pandemic hit, there was a lot of layoffs at the Yankees, but they kept me, but it just, it seemed like, Hey, if you're going to make a jump and you're really going to do something that you love, now's the time. So it started on a bunch of phone calls with Aram, just talking about what we didn't like, how baseball in general was covered. We felt that there were specific players that MLB would just jump on and that they weren't covering the game as a whole. I don't want to have a paywall if I want to go find stuff about minor leaguers. I don't want to then go pay a different website to go find stuff about college baseball and then a different website for MLB, then a different website for fantasy and a different website for betting. So what we decided is, you know what? There really isn't a one-stop shop. There really isn't. And when we were looking at competitors, although there's the fan graphs and the MLBs of the world and the roto wires and all these great sites and they do a great job but there really isn't a site that you don't have to pay a bunch of money for that covers the game in its entirety. And so what we started doing is we started building these verticals to find what baseball fans like the most. We talked to a bunch of different people, a bunch of people in the media, a bunch of people, just general fans. And we found out that people want to know about the MLB, the minor leagues, college, fantasy, betting and of course the trading card market as it continues to grow it's becoming sort of a stock market and we want people covering every single one of those angles so that's kind of how the website came to be we went to den of geek who is now our backer basically our media partner they're running a lot of our business ops um, and they're a big pop culture website and they wanted to get into sports so it was kind of a perfect marriage of the two we really wanted to grow as a website and they already had the experience and the experience in entertainment. And now we're kind of molding that into one. Uh, we started on TikTok on April 1st, me giving away three betting picks every day. And now we're up to 60,000 followers in that, in that short amount of time. So it's, it's, it started as a, an argument between Arm and I about what's wrong with coverage. And now as an actual company in a year. So, so much work has been put into this, but it's finally, it's not paying off yet. But it's finally starting. We're starting to see it trickle down. So it's just super exciting. And we're so lucky to have you guys talk about baseball as well. And one thing that, uh, you know, I would like to kind of add to that, because Peter had uh, approached both Derek and myself, uh, obviously, about making this very podcast uh, part of that that system of just baseball. And in addition, we're going to bring out content. And um, so ways that you guys can track us, uh, not just through this podcast, will be justbaseball.com. Um, it, it's a really amazing website that they've developed. Uh, as Peter had mentioned, Den of Geek uh, has done a tremendous job of uh, kind of helping them establish this. But it, it, there are so many great baseball minds that are associated so with this website. It, it is remarkable. And Derek and I are fortunate enough to be part of that group. Uh, we're very thankful for that. And um, so I, I just – you know, we're, we're thankful for having this opportunity uh, to kind of help grow BNB, but also to be able to help give to justbaseball.com and uh, make that another major part of our lives. Because uh, I think that it really has a lot of growth to that. And so I, I would like to propose a toast, gentlemen, um, here on ba- like this. Baseball. He- cheers to the first week 
being done of just baseball into many, many more. Cheers. Cheers. What a, what a toast. I love to hear that. That's fantastic. Also, Pete, uh, we know that you had, a, you had a busy week with the launch of the website. Oh, yes. But you are also in Omaha. And, mm-hmm. of course, you had the chance uh, to go out and watch the College World Series. Uh, you had your coverage with Hero for Just Baseball. What, what was that experience like out there? And also, we need your take. Who is better, lighter or rocker? So to answer the first question just about the experience, first of all, I'm from Santa Barbara, California, um, but I've been living in New York City. So I just haven't had a lot of time to be in the Midwest. First, don't understand why it's called the Midwest, considering it's in the middle of the country. Still don't understand it. People have tried to explain it. I'll just never get it. But to move on, we're going into Omaha, it's fields, it's wheat. And then you go to the stadium. And I've never been to a stadium with such passion. And I was at the World Series. It was Red Sox-Dodgers game two. And that was, I mean, Red Sox fans. It's hard to find a more passionate fan base than them. But this wasn't even the final series that we're seeing right now between Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. This was Vanderbilt versus Stanford. This wasn't even Vanderbilt to get to NC State. And it was packed. And the people were so amazing. TD Ameritrade Stadium in Omaha was fantastic. And then to answer your second question, I'm a big lighter guy. I'm a big Jack Leiter guy. I personally, Jack Leiter is my number one prospect in this draft. Whether or not he goes one is another discussion. But right now, I think he, he has the highest floor, I think, of any prospect, where I think there is no doubt he won't be at least a three in a major league rotation. But I watched Kumar pitch in his last outing against, um, against NC State, where, unfortunately... He only got to play 13 of the 27 players. So we weren't able to see Kumar against maybe that NC State that could have given him a run for his money, but he was six innings, five hits, one run, 11 Ks. He's obviously incredibly talented. But what what I was so amazed by was I didn't realize how big he is. Like he really is like kind of looking like Clay Matthews out there. Like he looks like a man among boys But then you'd think that he'd be able to, with that body, be able to hold the velo. But he wasn't really holding the velo. He was anywhere from 91, 95. And we were talking to Joe Doyle, who runs Prospect Live on our Hero Stream. And he said that that body is scaring some scouts. That there is some, you know, he he could maybe lose a couple pounds. And not to say that Kumar Rocker is a fantastic athlete, but you can tell that the mechanics, that once he starts going later into the games a little bit, they start to fall off. Maybe the velo comes back down. But you see when, when the velo's on and you see the slider and he's 95 at the top of the zone tunneling with the slider, like those are two MLB pitches. So I think, but there's, so I have a gut feeling about Kumar Rocker. I have a gut feeling. I don't think this is going to happen. And whoever signs him is going to give him a boatload of money. And they're basically going to trot him out in the starting rotation until he can't move anymore. There's a part of me that sees him as a really good closer. There's a part of me that sees that he may not ever be able to really develop that third plus pitch, which would make him that ace that I think everybody is looking at him to be. Lighter, on the other hand, has four. Four, two really good pitches, one developing and one that's there. Kumar, I really only saw two. And you got to throw three pitches to be a big leaguer. I mean, Derek and I were talking on the show earlier about the Royals, about how their struggles with guys only throwing two pitches. 
you don't want Kumar to end up being that guy. And I think that's why you're seeing him maybe being projected now towards the bottom half of the top 10 picks rather than a bona fide number one like he might have been at the beginning of the year. I know another guy you're, you're really impressed with is Bednar for Mississippi State. And speaking of a good slider, oh, yeah. got one as good as anybody in the country, it seems like. Who are some other guys besides Leiter and Rocker that maybe at the College World Series you've been pretty impressed with? So, two, first, Will Bednar, I'm in love with the dude. I, and maybe this, is, maybe this is a bad take, but I would pick Bednar over Rocker. I really would that high. Like, he looks like a major league pitcher right now. When he, because he was consistent 94-95 at the top of the zone and just a hammer of a slider similar to Kumar's and the bravado on the mound, the presence. I, I haven't seen that out of anyone besides Leiter in, in the entire college baseball ranks this entire year. Presence on the mound, it's Bednar and Leiter and then everybody else. Like, and when you have that as a college guy, and he's a really smart baseball player too. I project those guys as just guy going to be good major leaguers. With Kumar, he could be much better than Bednar or much worse. But I just see more of a higher floor again with Bednar. But moving on to the a couple players that I did see, um, Ty Madden for Texas deals. Like he's he's another guy similar to Bednar, similar to Rocker Lighter that should be picked in the first round. But also a guy who won't be picked in this draft, Christian Little, another pitcher out of Vanderbilt. He's the number three right now after Leiter and Rocker. And Christian Little will be that next Leiter and Rocker. He's 95. He's, a, he's 17, guys. That's insane. Yeah. That, he that's reclassified. Awesome. Like, he should be in high school. He should be a top 10 pick in this draft at a high school. And he's pitching for Vanderbilt. First start where I saw him, he was a little bit shaky, but the defense wasn't really behind him that much. So the ERA might be a little inflated based on them not calling it hits. I mean, in right field, they just he, the wind caught a ball up in the air and it straight dropped. He couldn't even. That's not an error, but it's not a hit either. You know what I'm saying? So it's like those kind of things maybe made the stat line not great. But Christian Little's got stuff. Yeah. He's got stuff. Well, that's going to be exciting to watch. We we are. Uh... You know, the, the best part about college baseball reaching the pinnacle of, uh, of, you know, the College World Series in Omaha is that you get a really good eye for these players. One other thing, Peter, that you get a really good eye for is the opportunity to see the fan bases that show up to these games. And so, obviously, you had some uh, good SEC action out there. Um, you, you've been able to witness quite a few prestigious I would call uh, organizations classic organizations uh, blue bloods if you will so what were those fan bases like was there any particular one that stood out to you and uh, maybe do you now have a, a, a Peter favorite team maybe one that you didn't have before what I would call an Omaha team uh, that you were just like yeah now I kind of like them because of the fan base as a whole or maybe somebody you don't really like because of it that that's a great question and the first name that pops to my mind was the NC State fans they were fired up, like fired up every single pitch, whether it's a ball, whether it's a strike. If it's a ball, you hear booze. If it's a strike, you hear Matt. Like I, I've never really seen a fan base, maybe besides Yankee fans in the bleachers or Wrigley fans um, next to the Ivy or Fenway fans in the Green Monster really be every pitch as passionate as if it's a home run or a strikeout every pitch. NC State fans 
I just respect the hell out of you because it was – and remember, because of COVID, 13 of that – or they only could play 13, and they were in it to the end. They only lost 3-1 against Kumar Rocker with their pitcher, Sam Highfield, who pitched, now had to play first base and got three hits off uh, in the entire game. He got a couple off Rocker. Like, that, that's because of NC State and how passionate they are. All right, so uh, that's some more info. Again, you can check out all the information at JustBaseball.com. There's great content going on there every single day. Um, now we're going to get on to our all-star picks in the American League and National League. We're going to kind of just run through these. They have finalists this year, and then you go back and you pick which of the finalists. There's three for most of the positions. Outfield, they have even more options there. So I guess we'll just start at first base. That's how it's sorted when you go to the website for the American League and National League. Uh, in the American League, I feel like there's really no debate here. I don't want to spend really any time on this. It's Vladimir Guerrero over uh, Yuli Gurriel and Jose Abreu. I do think there's a bit of a debate, though, in the National League. You have Max Muncy, Freddie Freeman, and Anthony Rizzo. Uh, Peter, we'll start with yourself. Who would you go with here? I actually don't even think it's really that close. I think mm-hmm. it's Max Muncy by a decent-sized margin. I mean, he's got over 400 on base. He's slugging over 500. The power is there with 15, 16 bombs. He has three less walks than strikeouts. And what I also love about Max Muncie is you can kind of put Max Muncie wherever. I mean, I feel like you could put him in the outfield and he'd be fine, but he's played 21 games at second base and the rest at first. And he leads the position in WRC+, which is kind of my favorite stat. You got to look at every stat, but that's kind of my favorite. And I think you could kind of make the argument that Max Muncie is – I mean, there's Jacob deGrom, who has a 0.690 ERA, so he's not going to win MVP. But I think if if we're discounting that in the MVP discussion, I don't think it's that far out of bounds for Max Muncy. Yeah, I'm going to go off of that as well, because I, I think that, yeah, Freddie Freeman, obviously, it's kind of weird. You go back in time here, Jose Abreu, Freddie Freeman, the two MVPs, uh, both not starting at their positions the following year. That would be kind of curious, but... Um, the way that Max Muncie has been able to get on base, uh, just to pull this up, and Peter kind of just already hinted at it a little bit, he has the second highest on base percentage in all of baseball behind Vlad Guerrero Jr. So it's currently at the time of recording 418. Um, his OPS is 973. As for Freddie Freeman, it's in the 800s uh, at 830. So to me, at, at this point in time, I don't think it's really a question. And the sad truth is that Uh, Freddie Freeman has the lead right now, and I think Braves fans are going pretty aggressively at that. This is my problem with the fan vote, I think, is that it may not always be accurate. We've seen it in the past with Cubs fans that they really like to put their players out there. I think the Braves do that very, very well. That's nothing against them. It's just that I think Max Muncy is the more deserving player. Well, we're seeing it right now with the Astros um, when you have uh, Maldonado in with a 5.66 OPS as one of the candidates for catcher. I remember uh, back in, I think it was 2015 or 2016, Royals fans thought it was funny, so they just, like, flooded the votes. And, like, Omar Infante was hitting, like, 190 or, like, 200. He was around the Mendoza line. (laughs) almost made the All-Star game. And they ended up with, like, six starters or something. It it was stupid. Uh, But, yeah, I'll I'll go back to Muncie as well. He just – overpowers the other guys even though you think of Freddie Freeman winning MVP last year it's you know been Muncy so far this year uh second base you have in the American League Marcus Simeon Jose Altuve and DJ LeMahieu LeMahieu hasn't had the best season yet I think he might be a little bit there on reputation but man that's that's tough between Simeon and Altuve so I picked I picked Altuve 
but I didn't really want to, you know, <laughs> I don't like the Astros and I don't want them in, but if we're stats, Jose Altuve, I guess is having the best season, but a bias take or an anti-bias Astros take, I want Simeon, you know, I don't even care. Give me Simeon. It's, it's pretty dang close, actually, numerically-wise. And if you just go with the on-the-surface stats, which when I say that, that's average home runs, RBIs, and OPS, uh, Semyon's actually beating Altuve in everything except for they have the exact same average to the day of recording. So uh, I think Semyon's been a pretty huge influence on his team staying afloat. Uh, obviously, the Astros have been playing incredible baseball. Uh, there's no doubt about that, no sugarcoating that. Um, but to me – I think Semyon's the more deserving character in this thing. And so you have to imagine the Altuve's of the world uh, with the Houston Astros, they're only going to be getting votes from their own fan base. Uh, I just don't see any other, other 29 fan bases going for him. I think Semyon gets it at the end of the day, and I think he's more deserving, to be honest. Well, Altuve made it this far, but uh, lots of bias from a Dodgers fan over Altuve. I'm just <laughs> no, I, I go Semyon. Uh, I, I think the story's just so cool there. Um, I mean, he had, he had to sign a one-year contract, which he made a lot of money. So it's not like it's the worst thing in the world. But, like, nobody was willing to give him a long-term deal. And now he's, again, an MVP candidate. Um, in the National League, Adam Frazier, Ozzy Albies. This one's weird. I, I think Galvin Lu- Gavin Lux will be a good player, but he has a 664 OPS right now. So I, we're not voting for him. Is it Adam Frazier or Ozzy Albies? Jake Cronenworth should be in this over Gavin Lux. Um, there's just no reason for Gavin Lux to be even in this conversation yet. Yeah, like you said, great player, no hate, but just not a top three guy right now. And Cronenworth has been having such a good season that I, I was really kind of bamboozled by no Jake Cronenworth in there, but, you know, the fans do what the fans want. I lean Adam Frazier, and I lean Adam Frazier for this reason. I mean, the dude's hitting 330. And he's not, and he's getting on base at over 400 clips. He's not a big home run guy. He's only got four home runs right now, but he leads the position in doubles and hits. He's got a super tiny strikeout rate. And Derek, you alluded to, you love contact guys. Like this is one of the premier contact guys in baseball right now. And he's got a 144 WRC plus as well. I mean, that's good. That's good as hell. And that's who I'd go with. You know, it's crazy. Uh, every MLB team is required to have one all-star. I think the Pirates shockingly will have two all-stars, maybe three, uh, who would have thought Crazy. they saw that coming, you know, with obviously Reynolds and also Richard Rodriguez. But um, I do kind of have to go along with Peter on this one. Uh, first of all, Gavin Lux should be nowhere near this. Uh, Cronenworth would actually be my pick. The fact that he's not even in the top three is a little ridiculous. I would have thought the Padres fans, uh, for as loud as they are on social media, they sure are <laughs> not that good at voting. Um, they need to do a better job at that. Uh, but to be able to have Gavin Lux in the top three, that, that's where the obvious inherent Dodgers bias will come in there. He, he is nowhere near that, in my opinion. I don't think he's a top five second baseman yet. His time will come. It's not this year. I like Ozzy Albies as a better player, but for the all-star pick, I'm going to go with Frazier because it's a more impressive season. By the way, I'm glad you mentioned the social media thing because I actually kind of wanted to bring this up. I saw you – you tweeted something that wasn't even like – it wasn't even like attacking the Padres. You were just like, imagine when the Dodgers are healthy, like this will be an even better series. And oh, some yeah. like San Diego Padres fan, I thought it was the funniest response ever. He goes, classic L.A. guy not noticing San Diego till you want to come down here for a vacation or something. Yep. Yep, it's it's un- it, everything is all of a sudden an attack on them yeah. now that they're somewhat relevant. It is truly remarkable. <laughs> I could literally say 
uh, that I caught a fish today and somehow they will say, well, you didn't catch the Padre fish. The Padre fish <laughs> is really the big, the big haul in this one. And yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. I love Cronenworth. He's on my fantasy team. Um, and, and actually speaking of fantasy and just baseball, I just did an article um, where I said, basically, nah, not really buying into Adam Frazier for the second half, but the all-star break, this isn't about what I think is going to happen. It's about what have you have you done? What have you earned? And for that reason, I would vote Adam Frazier. You mentioned all the stats. I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. So I would vote for him right now. I'm not necessarily super buying into him. If you want to look at this from a fantasy output and go check out that article at justbaseball.com. But um, yeah, for now, he's definitely earned it. Uh, third base. I think I have a clear answer here. I don't know if you guys view it the same way. Is it Raphael Devers above Moncada and Bregman? Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm, I'm way on, I'm way on Devers. Yeah. I'll say this, the national league one, I think this might be the, maybe the toughest vote of any of the positions for third base. I mean, you have Justin Turner, who has an 849 OPS. Chris Bryant, 847 OPS. Nolan Arenado, 834 OPS. We know Arenado, Bryant, Turner are all valuable defensively as well. Uh, maybe a little less with Turner than those other two guys. But, Peter, go ahead and lead this off. Who would you go there? So, it's funny. We just talked about this on the Just Baseball show, the podcast that I host with Jack McMullen and Arm Layton. And you're totally right. It's razor thin. But I found a little bit – some discrepancies where I go with Justin Turner – Right now, Turner is beating him in WRC plus, 143 to 135. And these stats for, are from two days ago, so maybe they're a little bit stale. But I, generally, this is probably where they're at. So Turner's got a better average. He's got a better on-base percentage. Slightly less slugging. But I'd be worried if Turner was at like four or five home runs, if Brian was at, in the mid-teens. But Turner is still hitting for plenty of power. He's got double-digit home runs at 12. And Turner is also winning in war. And weirdly, Justin Turner has a better defensive war wow. than Chris Bryant, even though Chris Bryant could kind of play everywhere on the field. In terms of defensive war, Justin Turner's been better, not putting a ton of merit into that stat, just kind of something interesting to see. And then I think it was Bryant's award to lose, but after the June slump, I mean, it's been a full month now of him like hitting in the 100s. So my thought is the more consistent guy over the full season is Justin Turner. And those little crevices right there are kind of what decides it for me. So I'm going Justin Turner. You know, it's funny that we, we just kind of handed Raphael Devers the award because I do want to point this out. Uh, if you go to third baseman and who, who leads the league uh, third baseman wise and on base percentage, Yohan Moncada is actually on top there. He is a 401 on base percentage, which is impressive. The only problem is when he's actually getting hits, he's not slugging. So that's why Rafael Devers ran away with that award. The difference and the reason why I bring that up is because you look at third baseman and these particular three of Arenado, Brian, and Turner, it is razor thin because they have roughly the same produ uh, production, uh, whether that be OPS, power numbers, Turner's a little down from the others, but Turner also is second across the board in non-base percentage uh, for third basemans in the league, and he actually has those slugging numbers to go with that. And while he may not necessarily be putting the ball over the wall, uh, he's still producing at a high level. And keep in mind, his team has not been healthy around him at all throughout this entire season, and he's still found ways to produce on top of that. Um, versus Arenado, it's just been kind of a team-wide slump there for the Cardinals. Uh, Bryant, as, as Peter kind of alluded to there, it has been a great season for him. It should have been his award uh, and his, his honor to, to keep and hold on to. 
and this past month has just been rough for him and uh, a lack of production. I think you've got to go with a consistent guy. I think while Gavin Lux didn't deserve to be a nominee, his third base teammate, if you will, deserves to not only be a nominee, but the starter for the NL. Uh, the Dodgers need a starter. They, they got Dave Roberts to be their manager. They're the, the returning, you know, reigning World Series champs. If they're going to have a starter and it's not Max Muncy, if Muncy loses that, then on the other end of the corner, it should be Justin Turner. So I'm going to go with Turner. Okay, so I'm outnumbered here, but I'll just make an argument that goes into the void anyway. I would go Chris Bryant, and the reason why is I, I'm – I don't know. I, I look back in the season he's had. He didn't play third base, his position, from April 21st to June 12th. Maybe you hold that against him because you say, oh, well, you're not a third baseman, so you shouldn't <laughs> even be in this vote here. But the value that he provided to his team during that span of being able to play other positions when they've kind of dealt with some roster shuffling – and so forth. I think to me, when the numbers, even though he has been struggling of late, they're similar enough to me that I want to value that to push him over the edge. We'll still take Justin Turner because I'm outnumbered two to one here. But mm -hmm. I, I do think Chris Bryant put up a pretty valiant fight there. One thing that this had me thinking of was the idea that why do we have to vote for certain positions? You know, like in the NBA All-Star game, they are guards or forwards, right? Like, what if we just had infields and outfielders? And part would of make the all-star game, like, like, hey, I want to see Fernando Tatis play second base or something. Have Tatis play center field. That's what I want to see. I, I want to see that range in that arm, baby. Yeah. I bet if you ask the Padres, hey, can uh, Tatis go run around the outfield for a little bit? They'd tell you to, like, screw off. There's no way they're letting that dude get hurt. Yeah, he, they'd be like, hey, you're not playing in the game. Sorry, buddy. You know Tatis would do it is the funny thing. He would oh, he'd do it for sure. For doing that. Uh, shortstop, Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa, both have over 900 OPS. Uh, Bo Bichette has had a really good season. Not quite there in terms of OPS, but actually in fantasy baseball, like if you're just looking at Roto rankings, Bo Bichette's number five. So uh, you might be a big Bo Bichette guy. Uh, Peter, where would you go here? See, I almost think that this is the closest matchup, at least in the American League, because you can make the argument that the National League, I mean, Chris Bryant and Justin Turner, no one, I know it's razor thin, but it's so close between Carlos Correa and Xander Bogarts. I said on the last episode, because we just did our all-star ballot too, I said Xander Bogarts. But the more I really think about it, I think it might be Carlos Correa. Another Astro, which I'm not too fond of. But then again, I'm not too fond of Xander Bogarts of the Red Sox either, as a Yankee guy. But they're putting up very, very similar seasons offensively. Like almost uh, pretty much, I mean, WRC plus, OPS, like all those kind of numbers, very similar. But defensively, Bogarts ranks towards the bottom of the barrel and stats like outs above average and DRS and UZR and all these fancy little metrics. But he does. And then you watch him too couple errors here and there. The range doesn't seem that good. The arm doesn't seem that good. And then you got Correa on the other side. You know, he's going to be a free agent. He's obviously pretty motivated. And the defense is fantastic with him. I think that's the differentiator. But it's so close that if you went Bogarts over Correa or you went Correa over Bogarts, I think you'd be right. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see this as a, oh, this one is incorrect. I think it's all a matter of preference with those two. It's, it's very interesting, and if you look at their numbers side by side, it is unbelievably razor thin. I mean, you are talking about virtually the same exact season. Uh, I think Bogarts came out on the scene a little earlier this year. He really broke out at the very start, helped lead the Red Sox to that huge lead that now, obviously, it's, it's a competitive division across the board um, there in the AL East, but 
to me, I still have to give it to Bogarts. I think that Bogarts is probably the more exciting player just based off what he gives you. He's got the speed aspect that Correa does not have. Um, and granted, Bogarts hasn't stolen that many bases. I believe it's only been five stolen bases he's had this year. But uh, there's the unique element of the All-Star game that you want excitement. You want the flashy player. And you want the guy that really is going to give you an audience that, that people are going to want to tune in for. And so uh, it kind of goes back to the idea that Correa has definitely produced, and especially recently with the way the Astros have been playing. Um, but numerically, and if you just compare the numbers side by side, Bogarts edges him out just a little bit in every single hitting category. It, it is really razor thin. I want the more exciting player. Uh, there's really no logical way of going one way or the other. You could go, like Peter said, both ways. You're not wrong. I just prefer Bogarts in this situation. Okay, so I'm the tiebreaker here. Um, yeah, Bogarts probably slightly better hitting, but I'm, I'm all aboard Peter's argument about the defense, and especially that position. Like, you know, if it's first base, like maybe I, I don't care about the defense as much, but I mean, shortstop, you're involved in so much defensively. So we'll go with Correa there. Uh, National League is as great of a season as Brandon Crawford has had. Shout out to him. It's obviously Fernando Tatis. So lay up and anytime on that one catcher in the American League. I think this one's kind of hands down, but like if you're looking at OPS, Yasmani Grandal has the best OPS of any of the finalists over Salvador Perez and Martin Maldonado, but to me, this should hands down be Salvador Perez. Do you guys agree? Yeah, it's it's not even close for me. I, I know the OPS is a big deal to people, but I can't have an all-star that's hitting under the Mendoza line. I'm sorry. That, that That's still one of the on-the-surface numbers I have to hold on to. So. Uh-oh. Oh. So. <laughs> we went with Yasmani Grandal. Okay. And you're right. I mean, I am people on our TikTok are being like batting average doesn't matter. I'm like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? Hits per plate appearance doesn't matter. Getting hits in baseball, like sh shut up. It matters. It doesn't matter. It's not the end all be all, just like no stat in baseball is, but it's something to pay attention to. Totally understand there. I look at defensively. Grandal is still one of the best defenders at catcher in baseball, while Salvador Perez not good really at all at anything the framing is bad the blocking is bad the arm is not the same as it once was and that's so if we're talking defense exactly if we're talking defense it's a no-brainer grandal offensively you know grand i mean yeah it's we just went with grandal and yes the the batting average but the on-base percentage isn't close grandal is higher there um, if I'm not mistaken, the OPS numbers, the WRC plus numbers, those numbers also favor Grandal. Mm. I don't know if it's the slam dunk Salvi, but I also, to your point about him hitting the, uh, below the Mendoza line, that is still a very real thing. So when people say Salvador Perez, I'm not like, you're wrong. I just think personally, I would just go with Grandal. That's a good way of putting it, that it, it might be closer. I, I view the extra home runs, and I view the – like how many times has Salvador Perez hit a game-winning home run or a game-winning hit this year as He's well? He's been so clutch. I, right. I mean, if, if that factors into – It's the uh, whole yeah, body of work for me. That's, that's what I look at it. If I'm the college football playoff committee, the, their favorite words are the whole body of work. And so I will once repeat what they have to say. For me, it's the whole body of work for Salvador Perez that kind of gets it over the – the hitch of Yasmani Grandal for me. I think just before we end it, just like one quick point on that. I just was so floored with looking at the Salvador Perez defensive stats. 
And I was like, what the hell happened to this dude? Like, he's, he's a five-time gold glover, and now he's, like, in terms of the rankings, the worst defensive catcher in baseball. And I don't even say that lightly. Like, the worst. The worst. So, that makes me think, wait a minute. The offense is sort of close, and the defense isn't even in the same ballpark. Right. So, that made me lead Grandall, but I don't like guys who hit below 200. So, yeah, give it to Salvador Perez. I don't care. All right, we'll do that. I, I do think that might be an interesting, like, nuanced discussion. And I don't know the answer to this, but just how much, like, how much the pitchers themselves matter into, like, the pitch. Good point. Pitch. Yeah. You know? it's a great point. Because, obviously, White Sox better staff. And, and, again, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe it is all about the catcher. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Kind of interesting. Good point. Um, in the National League, uh, I would give it to Buster Posey. I don't want to be biased here. Yadier Molina, all these just consistent. Wilson Contreras, I think – I don't think people realize how good of, like, a fielder he is. Um, or at least like throwing out runners, how athletic he is in, in terms of that. But it's Posey, right? It's Posey. It, it's it, absolutely Posey. Posey should start on the all MLB all-star team. Like he's the best catcher in baseball right now, hands down. He's hitting 330. Like what are we – oh, my God. It's a resurgence. And, you know, we've talked about this, I think, on the last three Booze and Baseball podcasts that the San Francisco Giants as a whole are literally playing – like they are in 2010 right now. It Crazy. is actually unbelievable how many resurgent seasons, how they're playing like they're, you know, I mean, all these guys are past their prime, well past their prime, Posey especially. And Posey's hitting as well as any player in the league right now. Hands down, hand it to him right now. Hand him the comeback player of the year award while you're at it because you might as well. He's been absolutely exceptional. Um, yeah, he better be there behind home plate. I don't care if Dave Roberts is managing he better make Posey and have Posey that starting catcher on that day. Question for you guys. Is Buster Posey a Hall of Famer? As a Giants fan, you grow up and you're like, oh, of course he is. But then you start like looking more into the numbers and you see a guy like Joe Mauer. They just talked about him on our podcast. Careers, and it's like right there. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. Counting numbers aren't there, but during their peak, during their prime, you couldn't really find another really better catcher than Joe Mauer when he's almost in 400 in the history of baseball. So it's like, what do you judge? Like, where do you go with that? That's why I want, as a Giants fan, your thoughts on Buster Posey. Like, I think if he keeps this up for a couple more seasons, I think he's in there. Yeah. But I think before this season, it was like, maybe he won't be. I think that one thing to consider too, and this is almost an NFL take, but catchers are not known for putting up ridiculous numbers, but being able to lead your organization to victory as much as Posey has been able to do, getting those three rings, that's something Maurer was not able to do. Good I actually think that that's something you got to consider because catcher is the hardest position in baseball. I don't care who you ask. That is the most difficult position. Your wear and tear is left and right. Your career is short. Posey has been able to have this longevity and putting up these numbers this year, that this year may help him yeah. have an argument to punch his ticket into the hall of fame. Because I do think, Having those three rings, that, that, is, that is no joke when it comes to what he's been able to do. Yeah, I mean, it helps from the story aspect. I always hear all the time with, like, some Hall of Fame voters, they view it as, can you tell the story of this without this guy? And you have the three World Series, the first World Series for the Giants that's coming over to San Francisco. Rookie of the year. Well, so basically the Buster Posey rule when he got hurt in 2011 and then they outlawed um, running over the catcher, not that that would really matter. On yeah. to the uh, outfield. So you pick three of these. There's Byron Buxton, Mike Trout, Cedric Mullins, Aaron Judge, Michael Brantley, Adelise Garcia, Teoscar Hernandez, Alex Verdugo, and Randall Grichik. Uh, Peter, what were the three that you guys decided on the Just Baseball pod? 
on our show. So Jack had Buxton, Trout, and Judge. And that was more of these are the three best that I want to see. Trout and Buxton obviously won't play. So then in turn, vote in Michael Brantley and Cedric Mullins. And I also, I wasn't even really thinking about Buxton or Trout. And when I came, I had Judge, Brantley, and Mullins. Judge, freight train. He's just going to be a starter. Um, Mullins has been unfreaking believable. And not only offensively, but what a defender out there in center. Like, what a defender out there in center. He's going to be a staple for the Orioles for a long time. And Michael Brantley might hit 350 this year. I, th- I think it's got to be those three when I'm looking at the rest of the ranks. I mean, props to Adolis Garcia, but I just think it has to be those three. It's, it's honestly really difficult because you're going between the concept of who do I want to see and who actually deserves it. And injury. You're having to factor in injury with guys like it, Buxton and Trout. Exactly. And so Buxton and Trout really make this difficult because – if we're talking about who I want to see, yeah, it's going to be Buxton and Trout there in my top two of the three. Uh, and then, of course, when you look at the rest of the lineup, I mean, I've got to give it to Aaron Judge to be in that group. Uh, but Cedric Mullins has had that MVP caliber start to the season. Uh, even with being on the Baltimore Orioles, his numbers put them up with anybody else outside of Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Shohei Otani. And you have an argument that he he could honestly get MVP votes because of how good he's been. So – it's tough for me because I think that Buxton and Trout, how can you not vote either one? I think you'd be crazy. But at the same time, knowing that they're not going to get it, it almost feels like a waste of my time. So with that being said, let me just go skip to the point of this is who I want my starting outfield to be, knowing that Trout and Buxton can't be involved. And that's going to be Judge. That's going to be Mullins. And then for my third outfielder, it's a pretty good list across the board. I kind of want to give it to Adolis Garcia just because of the great start that he's had. Um, and and it, it is close for me between Tay Oscar. Uh, it's close between, I, I mean, to be honest, Brantley's had a really stud season in terms of he's doing what he did with the Indians. Um, but I like what Garcia's done. I think he's an exciting player. I don't know if he's going to keep this up moving forward. But as we had just previously talked about, it's not about what do we expect it's about what you've given me so far. And so uh, the 20 home runs as a rookie um, on a team that doesn't really hit that well in a ballpark where the ball doesn't fly, uh, I think you got to take all that in consideration. To the day of this recording, 55 RBIs for Garcia. That is actually unbelievable to me that he's been that clutch and has had those opportunities that he's cashed in on with the Texas Rangers. I, I would not mind seeing him in the outfield. Yeah, I'm going Mullins, Judge, Brantley. I go Brantley over Garcia. Just, I mean – you're hitting 341 on the best offense in the MLB. So it's that simple for me. Uh, in the National League, Jesse Winker, Castellanos, Acuna, Harper, Soto, Betts, Taylor, Yaz, and Jock Peterson. What three are you going with, uh, Peter? I think this is – this was easy for me at least, um, especially looking at WRC+, Plus, which I love to look at. But looking at across the board, I think it's Ronald Acuna Jr. I think it's Nick Castellanos, and I think it's Jesse Winker. These three are the leaders in WRC plus by really a wide margin over fourth place. Chris Taylor, all are in the one sixties. I mean, similar to Muncie, like these guys are just, you can make the argument that these are, these three are having the three best offensive seasons in the entire national league, along with Max Muncie, of course, I think it's them three and I'm pretty sold. I'm sold on them. 
Man, I, I totally agree. And the funny thing is, I just want to kind of echo that point by, by following up saying, who would have guessed at the start of this year that you would take an outfield? Ronald Acuna Jr., everybody knew that he was going to be a superstar. But the fact that you would take Nick Castellanos or Jesse Winker over Mookie Betts, I know. over Bryce Harper, and the future superstar Hall of Famer that we all know that is going to be Juan Soto. Who would have thought that that is what we would take those two Cincinnati Reds. I would have never guessed that. So uh, the irony of me agreeing with this, but thinking in the back of my head, Dusty four months ago would have said this is ludicrous. It is just tells you how crazy and unpredictable baseball can be. And yeah, Castellanos, Winker, they totally deserve to be their starters. They should be. And I think it'd be a snub if they didn't get that. And of course, Acuna should be out there starting. Yep, I have no qualms with those three. The last one we have is the American League DH. I mean, J.D. Martinez, Jordan Alvarez have had great years, but this is like, it's just Shohei Otani. Layup. Layup. I mean, similar to shortstop in the National League, absolute slam dunk. Now, here's the question. Do you have Shohei Otani start the game and hit for himself? That's what I want to know. Because I mean, after today, getting roughed up a little by the Yankees, I I don't think he has a case for it. It's tough. It's, I still want to see it, though, because the All-Star game is supposed to be a visual. It's no longer so much about do you win the game as much as do you want to see the best players play. And I want to see Shohei pitch, and I want to see him hit because he can I do hope both. so. I want to see both. All right. Well, that is our uh, All-Star picks here on Booze and Baseball. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much to Peter Apple is uh, the last name, proper pronunciation, <laughs> coming on the show. Again, you can check out all the awesome stuff. Uh, on justbaseball.com you can also check out his podcast which they do awesome work they're always on you know social media and tiktok and everything so you can check out stuff every day he's releasing bets every day but also the just baseball show if you're looking to get into that podcast plenty of great work from peter uh so for peter for dusty baker for myself that's going to do it for this edition of booze and baseball check out our coasters man cave merch where you can get coasters with like baseball cards in them they're always cool for uh leaving your cold drink from uh, ruining the coffee table. Thanks to Mick Skid for the stock music. Man Cave merch as well. Drink responsibly. Have a good one. Later. Cheers.